Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and I am the host of the podcast, The Truth That Heals. I've been gone for a little bit. Uh, I've been taking it easy, relaxing, um, gaining a few pounds. Um, it's been about two weeks since I resigned from my position at, at work, and um, I still have another job, but I'm trying to take time uh, not being so busy, just time to just relax, time to hopefully I can get my prayer life uh, back in order and uh, spend more time uh, with friends, spend more time with family. Because uh, after leaving the cult, um, I felt that I just needed to be busy. I just needed to just to just have a jam-packed schedule and I would just come home and sleep. And I have been doing a crazy schedule of just nights, working nights, seven days a week uh, for the past few years. And lately, uh, I guess, you know, doing the podcast and understanding a bit of uh, how cults can really brainwash you. And one of the tactics of cults is making sure that you are perpetually busy and I feel that even up to now, I, I sometimes fall into that tendency of just keeping myself busy and busy. And the idea is uh, you have to keep yourself so busy because you're never good enough. You're never, um, you're never deserving of a break. You, you should really um, just give it your all. And I'm not saying don't give your all. However, uh, there is also a a time for rest. There is a time for prayer. There is a time for uh, spending time with family and friends. And there's a time for work. And I just needed to put a stop to uh, just working so many hours and, you know, picking up shifts here and there. and these past two weeks, I've been able to uh, calm down and kind of look within, and it's it's been nice. It's a bit different, but as I've as I said, I've probably gained a few pounds. But hopefully, um, now that I have this different schedule, I'm trying to get used to uh, to managing managing my time for uh, you know cooking my own meals. Um, uh, I know previously I've mentioned, uh, hot pockets and, uh, pizza. I know I need to upgrade. Uh, so maybe, uh, if you can suggest some, uh, healthy cookbooks, uh, please make it e an easy cookbook, um, but healthy. And, uh, so I'm trying to manage my time, uh, when it comes to doing that, to, uh, finding time for prayer. Uh, finding time for family and work, and it's been a journey, uh, but I needed the break, and that mentality that I had, which I feel kind of flowed down from from my previous experiences, it it's good to have a break. Finally, I feel that I can breathe and look at myself and examine myself a little bit more deeply. And uh, I'm sharing this with you 
with the audience because perhaps there are other people who have gone through similar situations. And uh, I hope that my podcast can be a, um, you know, what I've learned and what I've suffered or what I've gone through, hopefully it helps other people to grow and uh, they can learn from my mistakes and from my successes. So for now, I would like to get into this episode and it's going to be different. It's going to be talking about exorcisms and it's not going to be spooky. Uh, I want to share my story of when I was in this religious life slash cult and how, uh, yes, I was scared (laughs) when I was in there. But then as things developed, uh, a lot of question marks started coming up. So. Uh, first off, I just want to say uh, for the audience, uh, my views, um, I do believe in the power of uh, exorcisms. I believe that, you know, they they can help. Uh, however, um, I'm very happy that the church has given uh, protocols. So you can't just be giving out exorcisms like candy. Uh, in my experience, they were giving out uh, not like I mean, I don't want to say like candy. Maybe I should uh, rephrase. Uh, but they were given out freely, uh, and the church. Uh, good thing is that there are laws. There are uh, there are ways to do it properly. But the way I saw it, the way I experienced it, was a little bit more far out. So I'm going to be sharing with you the story of. Um, what I saw when it came to exorcisms. So first off, um, I was in a religious life slash cult. And this priest, I, I don't want to say their names anymore, but um, this, this founder of our group, uh, one, he claims to be a, a canon lawyer. He always uh, threw out all these degrees and um, you know educational successes that he has. And uh, he's a great canon lawyer, and he says that he's an exorcist. And when I was with his community, uh, when I was with with him and and the other priest, he really wanted to drive exorcism. And uh, for me, seeing him, you know, performing the exorcisms was like, wow! Like he's the only one who I see doing this. I don't see other priests uh, doing this. Uh, so this guy must have some, some super holiness to just, you know, come out guns blazing and he would take his crucifix and he would say, I have the true cross, the, the wood of the true cross. And I'm going to do these exorcisms. So he came off for me as a total badass. I mean, I thought he was like really cool and it was really awesome, uh, seeing him being bold. But to give more meat to the story, um, I want to share about uh, two people whom I know. And I will obviously not be using the names of these people, uh, of course, for confidentiality. Um, but there were, there were two people. And one of them who I came across, I did think that there was something uh there was something affecting him. 
uh, spiritually because uh, he would he would have like this knowledge of the unseen, you know, of like I would be in one room arguing and with another with another person, and and the other side of the house, he would get possessed. Like if there was someone in the vicinity arguing this guy would get thrown on the floor and he would start convulsing and he would start screaming and he would like, he would have this super ordinary strength and it, it was spooky. And then so uh, the founder of our group, he started getting more into the exorcisms and this was in Delaware when I would see him doing that. And uh, he would even tell the other priests, you know, Hey, you, uh, I'm going to let you do exorcisms. Uh, through the power of uh, obedience, or that's how I saw it, and and so at least w- with this guy, um, I did feel that hey, there was some kind of evil presence. Now that was in 2005. I'm gonna fast forward now to maybe 2013 or uh, 2014. I would say that was probably no, sorry, uh, 2011. It should have been around 2011 where there was another person who came to to Dover, Delaware. And this guy, um, he seemed like uh, there was something mysterious about him. Uh, But um, I never thought he was really possessed. And uh, the founder, he would say, all right, we're gonna uh, do these exorcisms. We're gonna uh, knock this thing out. Tomorrow is the the feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary, so it's the the biggest uh, one of the biggest feast days. Uh, so we're gonna do these exorcisms. We're gonna help him, and I I would be a witness. And I remember on one occasion because he would do the exorcisms every day, and on one occasion, um, I think I've even shared about this in a previous episode. Uh, maybe not. But so it's it's me, uh, the founder, and this other guy who's been claiming that he's possessed, and um, and so the the founder he's he's doing the exorcisms, you know, full on major exorcisms, and as he's doing it, this guy is screeching, and then he starts like, <laughs> uh, you know, twisting on the floor, and I'm I'm not. I felt, I felt uneasy because, you know, here is this guy who obviously needed some help and uh, instead of really giving him real professional help, the only thing that this founder did was just say, oh yeah, he's uh, possessed by the devil. So we got to, we're going to have to uh, do these exorcisms. And on this one occasion, um, He's doing the exorcism, and I'm in the back just uh, kneeling down and watching. And what happens is that this possessed person drops um, a holy – it was a – I'm not sure if it was holy water or holy – it was holy salt. Yeah, he drops the holy, the holy salt, which is like holy water. So he spills it while he's uh, shrieking and twisting and all that, and – he stops mid-possession. He so he's he's doing the whole growling, the whole, 
and then the holy the holy salt falls down and then he's like oh you know and and he starts uh licking his fingers and <laughs> and starts picking up the holy salt and putting it in his mouth and he starts blessing himself with the sign of the cross and i'm i'm looking at the founder kind of like dude uh if he's possessed i don't think I don't think he'd be, uh, you know, going for the Holy Son and putting it in his mouth. And he wouldn't have stopped mid-possession just, just to do that. But um, but the, the founder, he would continue uh, almost every day that he was there. He would continue doing the exorcisms. And it was disturbing. And then later on, another priest uh, was saying, oh, that he had a dream. And in his dream... All the members were being possessed by by the devil. So so in his dream, he's wearing the stole. That's like that that <laughs> just Google it. You'll see what it looks like. So he has the purple stole, and in his dream, uh, all the people are getting possessed, and then this stole magically starts growing longer and longer, and it starts wrapping uh around the necks of all the members who are being possessed. And in his dream, he is able to do the exorcisms and deliver these people from, from the enemy. So when he told that to Father Bing, Father Bing's like, aha, that's, oh, I, I said his name, but oh well. So when, <laughs> when he told that to the founder, um, the founder was like, aha, that's what we're going to do. So in, in this episode, I also want to share how they were doing exorcisms on me and on everyone else there. And the idea is that exorcism isn't supposed to be taken so lightly. You can't just be giving out exorcisms just because, oh, uh, he might have been hexed sometime or he might have had some kind of curse on him, so we're going to do the exorcism. No. And going back to uh, the first person, who I, I mentioned, yeah, it did seem that he had some kind of um, a demonic presence. Um, still, I want to share with you what the church prescribes on how to do these things and, and how to avoid uh, spiritual abuse. Uh, because when you do these things, my, my thinking is that instead of helping the person, you are um, really hurting the person and uh, putting them down. So I'm going to talk about that right now. So can exorcism, can spirituality be abusive? Can it be spiritual abusive? And my answer is yes. That is when you do these practices and put putting people down. And you're, you might be wondering... How can you put people down? It's a prayer. You're you're praying for this person to be freed from oppression or possession. And my answer to that is that it isn't healthy telling people, yes, you are possessed. You do have a devil. You do need uh, to be um, exercised. And for these priests, to just take the power into their own hands and and perform these rituals. The church uh, goes another way, and it's not the way that 
uh, my community took, which is really sad because I do think that um, that exorcisms can be very helpful for those who need it. However, telling a person over and over again, yeah, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, you must have done something or maybe maybe your your parents put a curse on you. That's very damaging. And even even for me, because they did exorcisms on me too. As I said earlier, they would uh, they made that stole extra long and then all of us had to wrap our necks around it. And yeah, I think that is very cult-like and it becomes it becomes almost superstitious when you have this this view of these priests and especially of the founder that they are so holy, they're so up there, they're better than the rest of of the other uh the rest of the church. These are the best. And so it's it's a wrong view when you are just medicating people's mental health issues as as spiritual issues so i want to share some um some quotations uh to put a little context on what an exorcism actually is and so first i'm going to be using um, the the Catechism of, of the Catholic Church here, uh, paragraph 1673, it says, when the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdrawn from his dominion, it is called exorcism so that is just the basic definition and now we're going to go deeper into what canon law says so canon law number 1172 it says no one may lawfully exercise the possessed without the special and express permission of the local ordinary this permission is to be granted by the local ordinary only to a priest who is endowed with piety, knowledge, prudence, and integrity of life. And then I'm going to be quoting here the United States uh, Conference of Bishops, the USCCB, and in one of their... Um, and on their website, I found this thing that was very interesting. It says here, quote, however, the church is equally concerned that individuals do not get caught up in a sensation, a sensationalist mentality and thus create a kind of sideshow affair. Although rare, genuine cases of demonic possession should be addressed in a balanced manner with the utmost care being extended to the afflicted person. So the interesting thing here that I would like to share with you is that 
even in the church and you know for some listeners you might think that the church is also a cult um i'm not going to judge you for that <laughs> but i i'm glad that there are at least um there are rules in place so that it can be done safely and you can't just be giving it out like how my founder did just giving it out every day and you know looking at me oh brother joseph you i think you're possessed so uh let's uh let's uh give you a little exorcism today and uh let's uh go on with our day so it's very interesting that he would tell us that he is an exorcist somewhere in the philippines and he's not in jurisdiction in dover delaware because actually he's he's supposed to be in the philippines so therefore since he's allowed to do uh exorcism since he's an exorcist over there hell i'll just do exorcisms wherever i can because uh you're in you're in my community i'm the founder of this community the bishop can't touch me here therefore i'm just going to do exorcisms and his way of thinking was i remember him saying this uh even though uh you might not be possessed it doesn't hurt if there's a you know little little devils we can uh cast them out and uh you'll be fine you know go on go on with your day go on with your life cheerio have a good time but <laughs> but it's it's not that simple and and it's that's where spiritual abuse comes in when you're using religion spirituality uh prayers you're not using it to build up a person yet you're not using it to raise a person closer to god yes you're saying that you are but what are you also telling the person you're telling the person there's something wrong with you you're telling the person you've messed up or your parents have messed up and we think what you're going through is just the devil so we're going to exercise the hell out of you and you should be fine and you shouldn't be sick or you shouldn't be having uh these things these these issues however uh what the canon law was saying in 1172 that no one may lawfully exercise the possessed without the special and express permission so for them to be doing uh exorcisms on me now that i think of now that i am able to think about it and you know i'm able to do my research it wasn't right because i mean i one i, I wasn't possessed um i'm not i'm not here saying oh i'm i'm super good i'm all holy i'm not here to say that but imagine the other people who heard this day after day over years that there is something wrong with you that these are demons who are attacking you and so so for the second uh person whom i mentioned earlier where i i did believe that he had something mental some kind of disorder perhaps uh, i'm not a psychologist or a therapist but there was something wrong and instead of getting professionals uh they used religion uh, you can also see examples uh not of the exorcism but of uh spiritual abuse done in other uh communities 
where instead of getting medical help, uh, they'll say, oh, we just got to pray. <laughs> we got to pray. Uh, if you have strong faith in prayers, uh, little Billy Joe, he's going to be fine. He's going to make it out. But if you don't believe, he's <laughs> he's going to die. But if he dies, it's because you lacked faith. So that's not how faith is supposed to work. Uh, they're using it as a way to, I believe, put you down. But faith isn't supposed to be used like that. And sadly, a lot of people uh, later on have this have this idea that I have something wrong with me. I'm a bad person. I am evil. And that's not what religion is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be used like that to demonize uh, people who really want to get closer to God. Uh, and then going to the the first example of the other guy who I did see some things were which were kind of crazy, which were kind of uh, awkward. Um, you know, yeah, he and the rest of us, you know, we, we've been going through all of these exorcisms. However, there was never express permission. There was never a bishop who said, yes, I am giving permission for this exorcism to be done. And therefore, those exorcisms which were done on on example one, example two, on me, on the rest of the community, they were done without true permission. Therefore, I would say that they're illicit. They're not done right, and it's it's dangerous because you're. They were feeding us. They were feeding me over the years. That if I if I were to leave them, the devil's going to attack me and I'm going to be possessed and there's no more hope for a better future. And yeah, those things still do hurt. And yes, I am trying. I'm busting my ass off to be a good person. But that spiritual abuse really, really does has an effect. Maybe it doesn't have an effect on some and if it doesn't, then all right, cool. I'm happy for you. I don't want anyone to be suffering from this kind of trauma. But it does happen. And it, it stayed with me where I was paralyzed. And I want to give another example because spiritual harassment, spiritual abuse, uh, religious, religious abuse does happen. But I want to give another example, which is not um, is not on exorcism, and that is on on marriage. Uh, or let's say a woman gets pregnant. A woman gets pregnant, and what do these church people say? Many times they'll say, "Hey, if you don't get married to that guy who who got you pregnant, you're going to go to hell." And then what happens? These these young young couples get married but it wasn't done freely there's this there is this uh fear oh i'm going to go to hell oh, i'm going to be a bad person because uh yes i got pregnant uh yes i got her pregnant but if we don't get married we're going to go to hell 
And sadly, many times these things are directed more to the woman and not to the guy. So the guy is going around planting his seeds wherever he wants. And the woman gets judged so terribly. And that's an example of religious slash spiritual abuse where you're using religion to really demonize the person. So now going back to exorcism, it wasn't right that they would be telling us, oh yeah, we're going to expel the demons in you because you're possessed and we're holy, we're all good. And then if you leave, oh, you're, you're going to be cursed. Those are not the right things to say to your community. That is not the right thing to say to anybody, especially if they're not possessed. Even if they are possessed, you're not going to be rubbing it, rubbing it in their face. So I wanted to uh, give one more uh, quotation. And this is, this is something that I found off of canon law. But I found it. I found it on Wikipedia, and I mean, hey, I, my research ain't the best. I don't got like a team here to help me do research. I have a job. I I, I do other things. So my research is very limited. But I really try my best. But in um, this quotation that I found from Wikipedia from Canon Law, it says here. It says, "Solemn exorcism, can be." can be exercised um, only by an ordained priest or a higher prelate with the express permission of the local bishop and only after a careful medical examination to exclude the possibility of mental illness. So, wow, that's a big thing. Before doing the exorcisms, there has to be a examination to eliminate the possibility of mental illness. Because, yes, I do believe that the enemy does exist. I also believe that science has gone a long way in helping us to understand the person. And when these people with mental illnesses are being told, yo, yeah, you got the devil. Oh my goodness, you are so possessed. We need to uh, do exorcisms on you every day. I don't think that has a positive effect, especially when it's done without permission. And, I mean, I never got no psychological examination, no medical examination. Um, and the rest of us, uh, even the, the the first person, maybe he did have mental illnesses. Uh, I I don't wish that on anybody. But what I'm trying to share here is that it was done in a cult like manner. And if he's still going around, if if these if these people are still going around using exorcism, I felt. That like with the first with the first example, the first guy, I felt that they were kind of like low key happy when he would have his uh, possessed episodes, because then you know they'd be getting other cross and you know they 
um, you can almost like see them as like gods. Almost, you you see them as saints, and sadly, it was never approached in the right way, which was truly wanting to help this person. If you truly want to help these these people, first you got to get the uh, psychologist or therapist, whatever, and really make sure that it isn't something mental and then get permission. So these things never really happen. Yes. He might say, Oh, I have a Canon. I have a degree in Canon law and over in the Philippines, I have permission, but Hey buddy, you're in, you're in Dover, Delaware. And even in, in New Jersey, you were doing all these other, um, Pope Leo the Thirteenth Deliverance Prayer, which I'll I'll talk more about that in my blog, but there has to be permission, and you know they would even tell me to do the deliverance prayers, and I remember asking Father Gabriel Nani, who was an exorcist from Rome, he was visiting us in the Philippines, and I asked them, uh, Father, can lay people uh, do the Pope Leo the the Thirteenth Deliverance Prayer? And he said, No, uh, that is for priests. And lay people shouldn't be doing it. And what our founder, what he was doing was making us do these exorcism prayers. And it's it, the, the thing is that they trained us to have absolute obedience. And so even though, <clears throat> excuse me, even though my conscience was kind of like, I, I felt, okay, I'm obeying him. My founder, I'm not really obeying the church, but hey, he's the founder. Uh, I, I was in a predicament because I didn't know how to process uh, obeying uh, one voice. And then, you know, when Father Gabriel Nani, the exorcist in Rome, was telling us that, no, you, you're not supposed to do that. But then we looked at a founder and he's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a canon lawyer. I, I know what I'm talking about. So it really put me in a bad position. And I remember in 2005, at the end of 2005, or maybe early 2006, uh, we had some deacons, and they were doing the exorcism prayer. And I remember uh, one of the deacons, he's now a priest, he's a great guy, but I remember he was doing the exorcism because uh, the founder was like, oh, we need to do these exorcisms because the devil was attacking the community. And I remember him going up there uh, uh, in the sanctuary and, you know, raising the cross. And I remember him saying <laughs> he was sweating. Uh, it was the Philippines. So, yeah, that's that's a given. It's it's a very humid country. But also, you could tell he was very nervous. He, was, he seemed very scared. And he said, I'm not a priest or an exorcist, but hey, I'm just going to claim obedience. You know, this is what they're telling me to do, so I'm just going to do it. So you're really putting people in bad positions, bad spiritual positions, and it can be harmful for the spiritual health as well as the mental health. And I want to conclude today with thanking all of my listeners. Um, I've had a lot of support. I've had a lot of haters, a lot of support, but I wanted to thank you all. I love you all. And hopefully, uh, if you know someone 
who has been in a cult-like uh, environment, please be kind to them. Uh, maybe it might be hard to understand them, but give it a try. And hopefully by me sharing uh, my experiences in this podcast, The Truth That Heals, you will also be able to learn how to deal with these people and not hate on them, uh, not call them, oh, you're you're possessed by the devil, not to put them down, but to really to really be be there for them. Uh, I, I really believe that a lot of cult members, uh, ex-cult members, many of them are shamed into silence, and I was shamed into silence. And I want this truth to be known so that this religious trauma, this spiritual abuse, this spiritual harassment does not get repeated again. So that's it for today. I wish you all the best. God bless.